Welcome to Unfuck Your Brain, the only podcast that teaches you how to use psychology, feminism, and coaching to rewire your brain and get what you want in life. And now here's your host, Harvard Law School grad, feminist rock star, and master coach, Kara Lowenthal. All right. This is how to unfuck your brain. So I want to start off with this. What could be different or what could be better? So you all sign up for this webinar. You are here on your Sunday night. You could be watching The Crown on Netflix, <laughs> just hypothetically. So why are you here? What could be different for you? What could be better? Somebody says, I hate myself and I want to stop feeling miserable all the time. Yeah, I think that's a good goal. I am sorry to, to hear that that is your kind of day-to-day reality. Somebody else says, my self-worth. I'm overly emotional and I let emotions run my day, someone says. Yeah, being at the mercy, like on that emotional roller coaster. Someone else says, I can be more decisive. Someone else says, I'm feeling stuck. Somebody else says, I want to get serious about weight loss. Okay. I'm not a weight loss coach, but yeah, what I, I mean, what I teach about changing your thoughts, you can use for anything you want to try to produce in your life for sure. So we've got being more decisive, improving your self-worth, getting sort of more control over your emotions, the emotions you have every day. What else? Anything else can be different or better. Someone says they want to be more focused. Yeah, it's very hard to be focused when you're anxious all the time. Someone says, I'm trying to learn how to stop the internal negative or fight and flight dialogue in my brain when dealing with my in-laws and triggers. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people have the in-law, the in-law fight or flight dialogue. That seems to be a really triggering relationship for a lot of people. Someone else says work on confidence. Yep, that's a huge one and underlies a lot of what we're going to talk about tonight, feeling more confident. And for those of you who don't know what fight or flight meant, just referring to like your evolutionary response, right? Which is that when something sort of gets in your face mentally or physically, right? Or seems dangerous that you either want to like stay and fight it or you want to run away from it. All right. Anything else anybody wants to change? Somebody says they're feeling stuck and directionless. Yeah. I get that one a lot. Sunday night freak out. Someone says, yeah, that's why I have the webinar on Sunday nights. (laughs) Because I remember what Sunday nights used to feel like. They were not fun. Okay, good. These are great. I mean, I know they don't feel great, but it's good to see what you guys are dealing with because what we're going to talk about tonight addresses this stuff. All right, so let me tell you a little bit about me so that you know sort of what I went through, my own process, and so you know that I know what you're going through. So this is me, the sad pug, right? I always say like gold stars on the outside, emotional chaos on the inside. So the person who said that they felt super reactive all the time, like emotionally all over the place, that was totally me. For those of you who don't know me, I had a pretty successful career as a lawyer before I became a coach. I've always worked on women's rights issues. Uh, So I went to Yale undergraduate and then um, I worked at Planned Parenthood. I was in the reproductive rights movement. Then I went to law school, I went to Harvard, and I clerked for a judge on the Fifth Circuit in New Orleans, which is a federal appeals court. And then I was a reproductive rights litigator. And then I decided to become an academic because I was basically running away from my stress and freak outs. (laughs) And I thought they'd be better in academia. So I decided to become an academic and I did a fellowship at Yale and then at Columbia and I ended up running a think tank of all things. So 
on the outside, I was like accomplishing lots of things, getting those brass rings, getting those gold stars, right? As every Jewish parent's dream, <laughs> um, especially, you know, mine. But on the inside, I felt like a crazy person. I didn't feel like I matched those accomplishments at all. I didn't feel like I deserved them. I thought that they were all either luck or, you know, I got into Yale because my mother went to Yale and I got into the law school just because I was good at testing and I, you know, got the job just because I knew the people. I always had some excuse, some reason that whatever I'd accomplished was not really my doing. And I felt emotionally all over the place, right? I was very reactive. I was always on this kind of emotional roller coaster. I didn't feel like I had a good grasp of how to regulate myself at all. And I was constantly kind of feeling insecure and inadequate, you know, and now I sort of think about it as it's like I used to be under this sort of black cloud of like guilt and shame and insecurity. And I didn't even really know I was under a cloud. I just thought that was normal. I would have probably said I was kind of happy if you asked. <laughs> it was sort of like, yeah, I'm pretty happy considering like how terrible I am and what a failure I am. Like that was kind of my thought process. That was my mentality. And, you know, my personal life was surprisingly not any better. I was a total mess with dating. I was usually involved with someone or dating, but it was emotionally exhausting. I was all over the place. I had intense anxiety about it and intense insecurity about it. And I was frequently either sort of going after people who obviously were not interested in me and weren't treating me that well to try to prove my worth, or I was dating someone that I was not excited about just because, you know, it was safe. So my personal life also was not sort of consistent or stable. And then on the sort of personal side, I was obsessed with my weight and what I looked like and being super insecure about it. I was eating disordered for many years. Just all of the kind of symptoms that you expect from insecurity, anxiety, lack of self-confidence, lack of self-worth. So even though on the outside it looked like I had it together, on the inside, it was just kind of a hurricane of chaos in, in there. And I was exhausted. You know, I mean, I would come home from work and just sit on the couch and be like, how do people, you know, go out after work? Like, I'm so tired. But I didn't realize that I was emotionally exhausted from all of this kind of drama inside my brain. And this, that disconnect for me between what I knew my life looked like and how it felt was really expensive. It, I spent an enormous amount of time worrying about my career, worrying about my weight, worrying about my love life, worrying what other people thought about me, being anxious, procrastinating, avoiding, right? all of those ways that anxiety kind of sucks our time away. It also was it just expensive financially. I spent a lot of money on you know, self-help books and therapy, which was somewhat helpful, but didn't really solve the problem. And then even stuff like you know, I used to be into buying like designer purses, which is not something I care about now at all. And there's nothing, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those of you like designer purses. That's great. They can be beautiful. But I was sort of buying them because I thought that if I carried this bag, I would feel a certain way and then I would feel okay about myself, right? And I would project an image to other people. Of course, they did not solve the problem because no matter how beautiful a bag is, it does not change the thoughts in your head. It was also emotionally really stressful. <laughs> I was anxious. I was never depressed really, but I was sad a lot. I was very anxious. I felt sort of hopeless about my life in a weird way. Like I didn't think I was going to live on the street, right? I sort of assumed I would have a successful career, but I just felt sort of like I was never going to feel good. And in relationships, in particular romantic relationships, I was sure that I was never going to find love and I was never going to find someone that was not going to work out for me. 
And this had an effect, impact on my relationships, as you can imagine. I was in my relationships with my, with my family. I was hyper reactive, hyper critical. I used to cry every time I saw my parents. Basically, um, I just was so sensitive that anything anyone said could set me off really easily. And I always had pretty strong friendships, but I had a sort of an unnecessary amount of mental drama about them. Like, did the person like me? Was I sort of cool enough? Like. Did, you know, was I good enough? Why didn't this person like me? All that kind of mental drama, spinning of wheels that didn't really get me anywhere. And then I've talked a little bit about what my romantic life was like. It definitely had a huge cost on my romantic life. And then finally, my kind of goals and dreams. You know, I did not grow up thinking like, I am passionate about being a lawyer. Some people do, and that is awesome. Being a lawyer can be amazing. And I did work on issues I cared about. But like in college, I really wanted to be a writer or a poet. And I had some like small modicum of talent. You know, it was not going to be the next Edna St. Vincent Millay. But like I had a little bit of talent. If I had developed it, who knows what would have happened. But I didn't because that just seemed impossible. I was just so terrified of rejection and failure. And I don't regret the decisions I made. I think that being a coach is actually my calling. And I'm glad I got here the way I did. But I can also see very clearly that I never pursued that artistic career because I just knew that I was not capable of taking those risks and sort of risking the rejection or the fear that I would find out I wasn't good enough, right? So I did what I call, and I'm sure all of you have done, failing ahead of time, right? It's like, I'm just not going to try. It's going to be the same outcome as if I tried and failed, but actually it's worse because I don't try, I don't learn anything. And it just goes into the bin of like things that could have been. So that was my life. It was very tiring. <laughs> I was a very tired 25-year-old or 30-year-old even. I tried a hundred million things that did not solve my problem. I tried all the things. I tried yoga, which felt great. Every time I'd get on the mat, it would feel amazing for like the class and two hours afterwards. And then it would wear off. And I tried meditation, but my brain was just way too wired to meditate. You know, now I can meditate after several years of coaching. But at the time, I just was not, I was not able to be alone with my own thoughts. I was not willing to be that uncomfortable. So I really couldn't meditate either. I went to therapy, which was helpful in terms of insight about my family and the past and some of those dynamics, but um, didn't really teach me how to change my thinking or change my actions. So it just plateaued at a point where I had insight, but didn't know actually how to change it. I was sort, it was sort of like, oh, I can watch myself doing this thing again, <laughs> but I don't know how to stop. Right? It's like being on a ride. You can see the ride happening, but you don't know where the off lever is. That's what it was like for me. I tried eating pizza, which is just a stand-in for. I tried using food to kind of numb out right, and comfort myself. That had obvious consequences. and um, was uncomfortable. It didn't really work. I actually, you know, I put pills here because some people do take recreational pills to try to deal with things. I was more of the like, I'll take all these supplements, right? I'll get like deep into the kind of orthorexic health conscious lunacy. And like, if I just get the right form of activated charcoal, it'll solve my whole, all my, all my mental health problems, which of course, none of that, it didn't work. I would go on vacations, which I would spend either stressed out about work that I was missing or feeling self-conscious about how I looked in a bathing suit because they were not relaxing, right? I would get massages and body work. And again, I am all for massages. I still get them now. They feel great. They do not change your thought patterns. And then I also tried, you know, positive thinking and self-help books, and those didn't work. I'm going to talk more later about why positive thinking doesn't work. 
self-help books also didn't work because I would just buy them and stare at them basically and not read them. Or I would read them and think like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And then just never do them. You know, as I discovered, it is difficult to coach yourself when you don't know how to coach yourself. Once you know how, it's great. If you don't really know how, if you're trying to like implement something and no one's ever actually taken you through the process, it's an uphill battle. So, and then I would just use that to make myself feel guilty, right? Like, well, you bought these books and that's not working. You must be really broken. So just kind of a long, vicious cycle. All right. So that was a lot about what my life was like. So now I want to hear from you guys. What do you want to change? What is your life like? What is your anxiety, your insecurity, and your guilt costing you? What do you think would be different if you felt like an empowered, confident badass? You can answer one or any of these questions. I mean, one or any. One or all. Whatever comes up for you when I ask those questions, put it in the chat box. What do you want to change? What do you think anxiety and insecurity and guilt are costing you? And what do you think would be different if you felt like an empowered, confident badass? Somebody says, this sounds like a lot of things I think. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's that's why the webinar spoke to you. Someone says, I want to be more secure in my life and relationship and not constantly think about what can go wrong. Yeah, catastrophizing is what I call that. That's a big thought pattern that, that is a lot of people need to change. Someone says, I'd like to find passion with a career. Someone else says, I want to forgive myself for past mistakes and learn they're part of the journey. Oh my God, yeah. Is there any worse use of energy than ruminating over the past? I need to develop some focus and stop self-sabotaging, someone says. Someone else says, my anxiety and insecurity are costing my full potential. Yeah, it's true for a lot of us. Someone says, I'm basically a shut-in. I work from home. My kids do the grocery shopping errands because I'm so scared of everything. I don't have friends or romantic dates. I'm missing out on work opportunities. Yeah, so really life is passing you by. Someone says, um, they're costing me the, ang- the ability to try new things or to try things I used to do but haven't in a while and to grow as an artist. Yeah, as an artist, like being able to take risks and deal with rejection and fear and anxiety is huge. I have some artist clients, in fact, for just that reason. Someone says, it's costing me peace of mind and being present for the wonderful things going on in my life instead of focusing on the negative. Yeah, it's the brain is such a like, it's trying to help you, right? The brain is trying to help you. It's worried that you will miss something negative. So once you think about the negative, but of course, when you're doing that, you can't actually appreciate the positive stuff that's already happening. Someone says, I'd like to not look to others for validation, relationships especially. Yeah, we're going to talk about validation in a minute, actually. Good. I want to find my creative side. Someone says, if I could get over these, I would have the relationship I want. Yep. And I'd be more confident in my career path and desires. Someone else says, I have the fear of failure, fear of success combo. Yeah, isn't that one fun? (laughs) Your brain is like, there's no way to win. When someone says, insecurity is making me feel inadequate with clients and colleagues. Yes, imposter syndrome, also that sounds like we're going to talk about that more in a minute. Someone says, if only I had the inner confidence that most people think I already have, I literally think I would be unstoppable and could finally live the life I want. That is what it feels like. You know what? That's a great word. When I think about like how I feel now, I do feel unstoppable. I just feel like if something comes up, I'm just going to figure it out, right? If there's a failure, I'm going to redo it. If I break up with someone, I'm going to find someone else. Like that nothing that happens outside of me is going to be able to stop me from doing what I want. So I love that word, unstoppable. When someone says anxiety and insecurity is exhausting her. Yeah, they are exhausting. I did not understand why. I thought there was like something medically wrong with me. Why was I so tired all the time? And then I just eventually, once I discovered coaching and started working on it, I just realized, of course, I'm fucking exhausted. I'm living in flight or fright, danger, chronic stress all the time. (laughs) Someone says, 
what would be different if I felt empowered is I would fall in love with myself, not in a conceited way. Fuck yeah, you should fall in love with yourself. That's not conceited at all. <laughs> Somebody says, definitely have that fraud feeling as a business owner that I'm not a real business person. Yeah, isn't that right? That's crazy. The brain is just like, even though you have a business, it's not real. You're not a real business owner. Someone said they'd be making more money. Yes. Yeah, these are great. You guys are on a roll. Okay. So coaching is the only thing that worked for me. It's the only thing that helped me change everything that I was struggling with, everything that you guys are describing. So I'm going to teach you what I learned. So these are what I call the four mindfucks of patriarchy. Imposter syndrome, people pleasing, perfectionism, and validation seeking. I'm going to talk you through each of those. Okay. So imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is the feeling that you are a fraud, that you somehow, like someone said, I'm not a real business person just now, right? That you somehow don't deserve your success, that you are not the same as everyone else around you, right? Like if you think all your colleagues are smarter than you or they are harder working or they know more than you do. Like I was just coaching somebody today who said, well, I mean, I'm just objectively, you know, everybody else in the office is smarter than I am. <laughs> like just objectively. What does that mean, right? As I don't think you've all sat down and taken an IQ tests. That's imposter syndrome, right? Feeling like you're a fraud, like you're going to be found out. You know, I remember when I was first litigating, when I was a lawyer and as a reproductive rights litigator, I, was, I would honestly think thoughts to myself like, they're going to find out that I'm not like really, that I'm a fraud. Like, what does that mean? I went to law school. <laughs> I was actually a lawyer. But your brain telling you they're, you're going to be found out. If you make one mistake, people are going to figure it out. They shouldn't have hired you. You're not as smart as they thought. You don't know what you need to know, right? All of that is imposter syndrome. Feeling like you don't belong and like people are going to figure it out. People pleasing is when you are more concerned about what other people think of you or what you want to do or whatever it is. You're more concerned about what other people think than what you think, Right? So this can come up in a variety of ways. If you get really anxious about other people being unhappy with you or disapproving of you, right? if you're really sensitive to the idea of disapproval or rejection, if you, in like any context with someone else, think it's more important that they be happy than you be happy, or right? if you feel selfish or guilty for prioritizing your own desires, and all of these are created by socialization and by patriarchy, right? Which is why I call them the four mindfucks of patriarchy. I think people-pleasing is a really perfect example because women are taught that it's selfish to prioritize their own needs, right? So it's not even just neutral. We don't even think like, well, they want one thing, I want the other. It's just neutral. One of us has to win. We actually think, oh, well, they want something and it would be selfish and wrong of me to try to get the thing I want. And that can be anything from like, what restaurant you're going to go to, to negotiating for a raise, right? I have so many clients who are uncomfortable negotiating, even though it's a business transaction, because they don't want the other person to think that they're being selfish or greedy by negotiating for their salary, right? That is people pleasing, being more concerned about what other people think of you than what you actually need or want. Perfectionism, this is very, we're going to talk more about perfectionism in depth, but just a flag for you here, perfectionism is not actually being perfect. Perfectionism is the belief that you should be perfect, feeling guilty for not being perfect, and the belief that your life would be better if you were perfect. So perfectionism is characterized by black and white thinking, right? It's everything's great or it's terrible, you're amazing or you're horrible, 
you're on the wagon, you're off the wagon with food or exercise, right? All or nothing. I eat one donut, I might as well eat 12. That is perfectionism. Make one mistake, I'm going to be fired. And um, I'm going to go more in depth in perfectionism in a few minutes. And then validation seeking. So one, a couple of you mentioned this when we were going through the what would you change. So validation seeking is when you have not developed the capacity to validate yourself, right, to create your own self-confidence. And so you look for it from other people. So you want other people to compliment you or you want other people to validate you and you aren't able to provide that for yourself, which really connects to people pleasing because that's part of what makes you care so much more what other people think about you as opposed to what you think about you, right? And this is, again, one that's really, you can see directly the socialization. Women are taught to think of themselves as objects that other people look at physically, right? Or socially that their job is basically to make other people happy, right? So we are constantly taught to regard ourselves as from the outside in that way rather than developing the, our own internal confidence. Plus, we're all growing up in a system where women are you know, you're shown to be a second-class citizen in so many different ways, maybe not explicitly as much these days, but there's still all of the kind of subtle ways that's reinforced that women aren't as smart and aren't as good and aren't as valuable. And so, of course, you're going to grow up feeling like you need to get validation that you're okay from wherever you can. And so that is validation-seeking. It shows up a lot in romantic relationships, in your professional life, often people who struggle with being with their parents, if you struggle with feeling like your parents don't approve of you or don't love you or don't, aren't doing what you want them to do, that often has to do with validation seeking also. Okay, so I wanna hear from you guys again. How would changing these thought patterns change your life? If you recognize yourself in perfectionism and validation seeking and people pleasing and in imposter syndrome, how would changing them change your life? Somebody says, I would feel more empowered Someone says, I can't even imagine. <laughs> okay, I want to challenge you guys. Just try to imagine. <laughs> Just pick one. Try to imagine. Someone says, I'm not sure how it'll change my life because they seem unchangeable. It's hard to imagine another way. Well, you know, we're here for the hour. So what I want to challenge you guys to do is actually try to imagine it. Just pick one. You don't have to change them all. Imagine if one of them were different. Someone says, I would have way more fun. I would share my music and my art. I'd be able to share my light with the world. Yeah, I love that. I'd be able to shine. Somebody says, I'd be more fulfilled and my business would be thriving. Somebody else says, better thoughts equals better results and joy. Yeah. Someone says, if I didn't have imposter syndrome, I would have more confidence in my work and publish more. Yeah. I think that's a person who just said they couldn't imagine. So your brain automatically wants to tell you, I don't know. You have to ask it. You have to sort of push it. Somebody says, I would get in fewer fights with my partner. Yep. That's probably true. Someone says, girl, you are speaking to my soul right now. <laughs> I love it. I feel like if I were able to change these ideas, I would be in much more healthful and positive relationships, both romantically and professionally. Yeah, well, when you're validation seeking, for instance, you're just going to get hung up on whoever you think can validate you. Someone says, I think I would love myself. Someone says, my vision and dreams would be reality. Someone else says, I would be able to encourage myself, not just everyone else. Yes, yeah, we can be so supportive of other people, but to ourselves, we're mean. Someone says, I would have more time to do things I actually liked because I would waste less time wondering what other people thought. Yeah, it's a huge time suck and you can't tell what other people think and you can't control it anyway. It's a total waste of time. Someone says, I'd be more empowered to embrace my creativity. Yeah, we are having a theme. It's so interesting. Every time I do a webinar, there's a theme in the responses and in the people attending, which I had nothing to do with. And tonight seems to be artists and creativity. Someone said, I'd be less tense all the time. I long for a relaxed life. Someone else says, if I wasn't second-guessing myself, 
I would have found a new job when senior partners don't constantly put you down to make them feel better. Yeah, those of you who are lawyers, a lot of these are really endemic in the law. And so then you're around other people who all have the same thought patterns also. Okay, good. These are good. These are really solid, like, improvements that you guys would see. Okay, so tell me now, we've talked at this general level, like, I would be less tense, I would be more empowered. Our brain likes to hang out up there, right, especially for perfectionists, because then it's sort of like general and vague and perfect and off in the future. So I really want to encourage you to get specific. What are the three changes that you know you need to make now? right? Like three, it can be anything. It can be like, I need to clean the house to like, I need to quit my job to, you know, anywhere along the line of specificity, just whatever comes up for you. What are the three changes you know you need to make now? All right. Someone says, eat more vegetables, start doing power poses, get my house clean and organized. Power poses. Oh, like the woman who did that study about, yes, I know what you're talking about. I think changing your thoughts is more effective personally. But if power poses work for you, that's great. Someone says, organize, focus, and organize some more. <laughs> yeah, anxiety is very distracting. It's very difficult to focus when your brain is in flight or fright mode all the time. Someone says, organize my home and time, exercise and eat better. Someone says, go to an audition. Decide whether to stay with my partner and get a haircut. Okay, that's my favorite list so far. <laughs> I just really like those three. I think those are all three really good goals. And they're kind of like tiered levels of accomplishment. Someone says, finish my coaching homework. And someone says, stop. Are you my client? I don't think so. Stop the internal bitching at myself. Focus, take action, organize. Better self-care for myself. More discipline and work direction. Someone says, give my spouse more quality time, not let work consume my thoughts and emotions and spend more time with my family. Yeah, learning to leave work at work and be present in your personal life is a huge thing. Someone says, make time for meditation or mind clearing. Someone says, let myself make some mistakes. Yeah, I got news for you guys. We're all going to make a shitload of mistakes just because we're humans. <laughs> Giving yourself that permission is enormous. I say try to make some mistakes, not just let yourself. Like, go try on purpose. Someone says, spend more time on non-work things, more sleep, and um, brush off criticism. Someone says, make time every day for the things I really enjoy. Someone else says, I need to believe in myself and trust myself over others. Learn to feel at peace and content. Feel more powerful to seek the training I need. Get off the sofa and do something, someone says. Be available for the good things in life. No, I'm not perfect. Yeah, none of us are perfect. I can guarantee. I don't know you guys personally yet. You're not perfect. None of us are. Someone says, stop eating sugar, stop organizing and cleaning, and just live. <laughs> See, we got all sides. That's a perfect example. Those of you who are like, I just have to organize and my life would be perfect. We got someone here who's like, I'm all organized. It doesn't solve the problem. Yeah, because it's really how you think about it, which is what we're going to talk about more in a minute. All right, good. So I'm going to talk a little bit more in depth about perfectionism because it's the one that I think almost everyone, at least who's drawn to me or these webinars, um, struggles with. So perfectionism is really important. It's not being perfect. So often I'll talk to a client about perfectionism and they'll be like, well, I'm not a perfectionist. Like my house is a mess and my kids eat, you know, junk food and whatever else. Perfectionism is not about being perfect. It's wishing you were perfect. If you wish you were perfect, you're a perfectionist. If you have black and white thinking, right, you're great or terrible, other people are great or terrible, you didn't go to the gym one day, so you might as well not go for a month, right? Now it's all ruined. If you've ever thought, like, I ruined it, 
now it's all ruined. Those are perfectionistic thoughts. Constant self-criticism and shame are elements of perfectionism, right? If you are constantly criticizing yourself and feeling ashamed for not being good enough, you're a perfectionist. So perfectionism shows up in the, what I call like the four core areas, or at least the four core areas that patriarchy screws with. <laughs> Those are your work life, your friends and family, your love life, and your body. So I'm going to give you an example in each sort of life realm of how perfectionism shows up so you can see if it identifies for you. So in your work life, perfectionism shows up as procrastination, avoidance, fear of failure, and a fixation on mistakes, fear of mistakes. Classic thought is like, if I make a mistake, I'm going to get fired and end up living on the street, right? That's a perfectionistic thought in the context of your work life. Shows up in your social life as guilt, a lot of rumination on social interactions, fear of rejection, and taking shit personally. The classic thought is like, oh, I shouldn't have talked so much at dinner. Now she won't want to hang out with me again. In your love life, perfectionism shows up as the fear that you are unlovable, a fear of abandonment, communication anxiety, and being hypercritical of yourself and of other people. And the classic thought is like, there must be something wrong with me because no one ever wants to be in a relationship with me. See, it's very extreme. It's like black and white. In your relationship to your body, perfectionism shows up as, again, this black and white mentality, right? When I was, before I sort of did this coaching work on myself, I was the master of creating really complex and like beautiful looking schedules of like what I was going to eat and how I was going to exercise and then not doing any of it <laughs> or doing like one day of it and then not being able to keep up that level of perfection and then just giving up. So that's being on and off the wagon, right? You're on the wagon, you're off the wagon and thinking that way having a lot of self-critical commentary about your body and magical thinking. Like if I just lost 20 pounds, my life would be perfect. If I just looked like this, my life would be perfect. If I just stopped eating sugar, my life would be perfect, right? That kind of perfectionist thinking. Classic thought is like, I have no discipline. I'm never going to be able to stick to a healthy eating plan. That's something a perfectionist would think about their body or their sort of body life, right? Eating and movement. So notice a pattern. Negative feelings come from thoughts. And insecurity, anxiety, guilt, and shame come from your negative thoughts about yourself. So we have to step, take a step back and ask, why do you even want to be perfect, right? What drives perfectionism? You want to be perfect because you think it'll make you happy, right? Fundamentally, humans just seek pleasure and avoid pain like any other mammal or probably non-mammal. Right? We only want things because we think they'll make us happy. We think we'll feel better than we do now. So you want to be perfect because you think if I were perfect, I would feel happy. But this is the lie of perfectionism. The goal will always keep moving. Your brain will never give you approval unless you reprogram it on purpose to do so. So the lie of perfectionism is that your brain says to you, if you just get that promotion at work, if you just get good feedback on that brief, if you just lose 20 pounds, if you just get the house cleaned right, if you just get a boyfriend, if you just get a girlfriend, if you just get divorced, if you just do this thing and do it perfectly, then I'm going to let you feel good about yourself. If you just do this thing, you're going to feel happy. You're going to feel okay about yourself. And then you do the thing and your brain moves the goal, right? And then it's like, oh, now you need to do this other thing, <laughs> right? That's what my whole life story was. Like, I can feel like I'm smart enough if I go to a good college. Okay, but I can feel like I'm smart enough if I go to a good law school. 
okay, I can feel like I'm smart enough if I get a fancy clerkship, right? Like keep trying to get the next goal, then eventually I will feel good about myself. But it doesn't work that way. You never get to the goal. Your brain is lying to you. You will never feel good about yourself by racking up external accomplishments. And they don't have to be career-wise, right? Again, perfectionism can be in any area. You do this in dating. If I just, if they text me back, I'm going to feel good about myself. Okay, they text me back. Now I'm not going to feel good about myself unless they ask me out again. Because they ask me out again. Now I'm not going to feel good about myself unless we're going steady. Now I'm not going to feel good about myself unless they want to move in together, right? The goal can keep moving in any area. Your perfectionist thoughts, they tell you that they're trying to make your life better that they're trying to motivate you to do or get this thing that'll make you happy. But in fact, your perfectionist thoughts actually make your life worse. I'm going to show you how. So when you have the thought, if I make a mistake, I'll get fired and end up on the street. That was the perfectionist thought in the career context, right? You feel anxious. Anybody would if they had that thought. When you're anxious, you are distracted and you actually can't focus at work. And when you are distracted, you are more likely to make mistakes. So that thought, if I make a mistake, I'll get fired and end up on the street. Your brain tells you that it's thinking that thought to make sure you take it seriously and focus and don't make mistakes. But in fact, the opposite happens. You are more likely to make a mistake because you are anxious and distracted. So this perfectionist thought makes you less perfect, not more. Same thing in the social context, right? If your thought is, I shouldn't have talked so much at dinner, now she won't want to hang out with me again. If you think that, you feel self-conscious. You are less likely to reach out to communicate with a friend. And the result is that the relationship is more likely to die out. Not because you talk so much at dinner, but because now you're feeling self-conscious and retreating into yourself and not opening up and not communicating. Same thing in the romantic context, right? This thought, there must be something wrong with me. No one ever wants to be in a relationship with me. When you think that, you feel sad. When you feel sad, you stay home on your couch. And when you stay home on your couch, it's very difficult to find someone to date unless you happen to really be into the UPS guy, right? That thought that tells you that sort of some th somehow it's useful, like maybe you'll figure out what's wrong with you so you can fix it. That's not what happens. What happens is you feel sad and you stay home and you don't meet anyone. And let's look at the body context, right? <laughs> Somebody says their husband is a UPS guy. Well, you are the exception that proves the rule, <laughs> right? Especially if you met him when he was delivering a box. So the thought, I have no discipline. I'm never going to be able to stick to a healthy eating plan. Your brain thinks that shaming you, yelling at you about that, is going to motivate you to stick to a plan, right? That's what it pretends. It's totally wrong. It's the opposite. It's 100% the opposite. When you think that way, you feel ashamed. When humans feel shame, they seek distraction and comfort. It's shame is an incredibly uncomfortable emotion for humans for a variety of like social and evolutionary reasons. So if, and if you are somebody who has trouble, quote unquote, sticking to the way you want to eat, you are likely someone who's an emotional eater and you eat for comfort. So you shame yourself by telling yourself you have no discipline. You're never going to stick to this. Then you feel ashamed. You're actually more likely to eat for comfort to zone out. What's your result? you are sticking to your plan even less. That perfectionist thought is not motivating more or closer to perfection. It's the opposite. So this is the first secret I want to teach you guys. This is true for every thought and feeling you have. An external circumstance happens. You have a thought. Your thought creates a feeling. And your feeling is what drives your action that you take. So this is the second secret. 
nothing external will change how you feel. Losing 10 pounds or 30 or 100 will not change how you feel. Finding a partner or getting married or getting divorced will not change how you feel. Getting praise or a promotion at work or quitting your job will not change how you feel. Finally getting your family's approval or deciding you're never going to speak to them again will not change how you feel. Because changing your external circumstances does not change how you feel. Changing how you think is the only way to change how you feel on purpose, consistently, when you want to. In other words, you have to unfuck your brain. So let me show you, right? We went through the negative thought cycles already. Now what happens if we change those? If you change your thoughts, your feelings will change, your actions will change, and your life will change. So let's take the work example. Your brain wants to tell you if you make a mistake, you're going to get fired and end up on the street. We know that creates anxiety and more mistakes. Now what if we change that thought to the thought, many successful people have made mistakes. When you think that, you feel calm, you feel neutral. You'd be able to focus and be productive. And you would make fewer mistakes and get more work done. Let's take the thought, I shouldn't have talked so much at dinner, Nash doesn't want to hang out with me anymore. If you change that to, she was laughing at my stories and we had fun, you would feel confident, right? You'd be more willing to reach out to your friend and you would prove to yourself that people like you for you. You continue that relationship. Let's look at your romantic life, right? With the, the original thought was, there must be something wrong with me. Nobody ever wants to be in a relationship with me. If you change that thought to lots of people are single for a while before finding a partner, you feel confident. You'd be way more likely to go out and mingle, right, or swipe on the apps or whatever you're going to do, and you'd be way more likely to meet a partner. Your feeling would change, so your action would change, and then the result in your life would change. Let's look at the body example, right? When you tell yourself, you don't have any discipline, I can't, I can't stick to my healthy eating, I don't have any discipline, you feel ashamed, you're more likely to actually eat for comfort, and you exacerbate that for yourself. What if you change that thought to... I take care of my body in lots of ways, which is undeniably true. You're all still alive, so you've taken care of your body pretty well. You got here, right? You probably sleep. You probably eat. You might even eat a vegetable. You probably drink some water. You probably move around a little bit, even if it's just walking down the block, right? You probably take medications if you're supposed to. You've survived until now. You have taken care of your body in a lot of ways. If you think that thought, you'd feel proud, you'd be way more likely to eat well or move your body and you'd take even better care of it. That is how you unfuck your brain one thought at a time. So this is super important. Notice what we did not do. Number one, we did not focus on what's wrong with other people. So that's sort of a defense mechanism that sometimes our brain goes to when we feel shitty about ourselves. We sort of try to criticize other people, right? It's like in the social context, if you were thinking, well, I would talk too much about my stories, you might, your brain might want to be like, well, she's stuck up anyway, right? I didn't like her anyway, to sort of protect itself. That doesn't really work. It doesn't make you feel better because it doesn't address your thought about yourself that is a real problem. The other thing we didn't do is we did not pick a thought that was too positive or too hard to believe. This is so important. This is where people go wrong with positive thinking. So if you look at the romance context, right? We did not, the original thought was, there must be something wrong with me. Nobody wants to be in a relationship with me. We didn't try to substitute, I'm definitely going to find the love of my life soon. Who the fuck knows, <laughs> right? Your brain would not believe that. It's too far and it wouldn't help. 
What we did was substitute a neutral thought, which is undeniably true. Some people, it takes a while for them to meet someone. But even just switching to that neutral thought that's clearly true about the world helps you feel more neutral or positive or motivated and changes the action, right? We didn't try to go from, if I make a mistake, I'll get fired, to the thought, I'm not going to make any mistakes. I'm a huge success. <laughs> you don't believe that. And you can't guarantee you won't make any mistakes. So trying to think that kind of positive thought would not help you. It would just make you more anxious. Instead, we went to a, a neutral thought, like in the dating context, right? A neutral thought about the world in general. Like lots of successful people have made mistakes. That's obviously true. It may not feel amazing, but it feels better than thought you had before. The biggest mistake people make in trying to do thought work is they try to go too positive or pick a thought they don't believe. That is why often when you try to do affirmations or manifesting or any other kind of like too positive, <laughs> too like unicorns and rainbows thought work, it doesn't work because you don't believe those two positive thoughts. They don't do anything. They don't change your emotional state. If you don't believe a thought, it will not change your emotional state. If your emotional state doesn't change, your action doesn't change, your life doesn't change. Nothing changes unless you change the emotional state. And the way you change the emotional state is by changing the thought to something you can believe so that you do create a different emotional state. So I know this shit works because I've used it myself to dramatically change basically every area of my life. So I told you a bunch about what my life used to be like, right? And I use this work to change each of these four areas. So I was an unhappy lawyer. I use this work to become a happy lawyer and then eventually to take this much bigger and scarier risk of quitting my job. I was on track to be a law professor and I left the law and became a life coach, which <laughs> any of you, I think we have a couple of lawyers on here. That was a big mental hurdle, <laughs> right? Like I had to work through all of my fear about what other people are going to think. I come from a like overachieving highly educated Jewish New York family, the idea that I was going to not be a law professor and instead become a life coach, that was a big pill for my family to swallow. But I had to swallow it first, right? So I had to work myself through my concerns about my income, my fears about my credibility, right? All the social prestige I had. I had to like be able to let all of that go. I had to work myself through all the thoughts I needed to create a successful business when I had never done anything like that. I did not if you would ask me four or five years ago if I could run a business, I would have been like, oh my God, no, I would rather die. <laughs> I just had, I did not think at all that I had any entrepreneurial spirit. I didn't think that I could run a business. I thought I was bad with money, right? I had all these thoughts about my career that I had to change. I totally changed my romantic life. When I actually started this work, I was in a relationship where I was, a new relationship where I was experiencing just incessant anxiety. It's actually what brought me to coaching was that I was just anxious all the time about this relationship. And over the years, I've used this work to completely change my approach to dating and intimacy in my relationships. So like being able to allow my partner to be himself, <laughs> which is a big task for a lot of us, right? To create my own security, my own validation, my own self-confidence, to allow myself to experience that love and support without doubting it or questioning it, to not be kind of anxious and insecure and worried all the time. And in the times that I've been single since having learned this work, my dating life has just been so different. Kind of the people I've attracted and the way that I felt about it, my ability to experience rejection and not even really categorize it as rejection. I mean, I used to be terrified of romantic rejection. 
And now I don't even really think of it as rejection. I just think like, yeah, you go out. Sometimes one of you likes the other one, sometimes not. It's like no big deal. That is honestly how I feel about it now. My relationships with my family, I talked about how those were for me quite strained. Like I was often just so hypersensitive to what they thought about me or to conflict with them. And I used to pretty much cry every time I saw my family, either while I was there or later. And now I really actually enjoy them. And when I don't enjoy them, the worst situation is that I just feel kind of neutral about it. And that, if you had asked me five years ago if I would ever like enjoy spending time with my family, I would have been like, have you met them though? <laughs> but it wasn't them. It was me. It was my thoughts about it and my thoughts about myself. And when I changed that, the rest of it changed. And then finally, my body image. And when I started this work, I was much thinner than I am now because I was actively eating disordered. But I was insecure and anxious and hated myself. And now, even though I'm the curviest that I've probably ever been, I'm also the most confident I've ever been. And I actually like my body. My sex life is better. My romantic and dating life, obviously, that's very connected to how you think about your body. And I'm able to actually just live in my body and enjoy it and eat and move the way I want. When I think about the amount of time I used to spend thinking about, like, what food I had eaten that day or what exercise I had done, what I needed to do, what was wrong with my body and what everybody else's bodies looked like. I mean, it was just beyond. I could do a whole webinar on that, obviously. Um, and those of you who listen to the podcast, I think it's, this week's episode was all about body image, how to feel great naked and kind of how to redirect all that energy you spend worrying about your body. All right. So it's one thing for me to tell you, but when I know when I'm learning about something new, I always like to hear how it worked for not the person who invented it. <laughs> so this is my client, Jill. Um, Jill hired me after she got out of a divorce. And Jill would be the first to tell you that like a lot of people, she sort of got married to avoid her thoughts, right? When she was dating in her early 30s, she was insecure and anxious and had a lot of thoughts about being alone. So she just got married so that she wouldn't have to think about those things. And then of course, as it turned out, that wasn't the right relationship for her. When she got out of the relationship, she was in the exact same place with the exact same thoughts. And so we did a lot of work on her body image and her thoughts about dating. And now she actually is in a great relationship with a guy who is super cute, I have to say, and quite a bit her junior, which always kind of, I get a little kick out of because fuck the patriarchy. <laughs> um, and this is my client, Shira, who is a business owner. She's a coach and a sort of organizational stylist. I never know what the right term is exactly, but she like comes to your house. She's amazing if you live in the Bay Area. She comes to your house and she like organizes and styles the whole thing and coaches you. And I helped her. She was kind of stuck in a holding pattern in her business, like making a decent enough income, but not really blowing her mind and not really taking her business to the next level. And we worked a lot on her fears of success and fears of failure, right? And all of her money beliefs to break through that. And um, I don't think it says it here, but we also did a lot of work on her family life, her relationship with her family. So if you want to hear more stories about kind of what you can achieve doing this work, the link at the end that when we get to the end of the slides, my assistant is going to put a link in the chat box and there's some video conversations with my clients on that page. So you can actually watch and just hear an honest conversation back and forth about like what we worked on and where they were when they came to me and what changed. All right, so let's review what we've learned. The four mindfucks of patriarchy are imposter syndrome, people pleasing, perfectionism, and validation seeking. The four core areas of your life that get fucked up are your love life, your career, your family and social relationships, and your body and your health. Social conditioning is the reason you feel anxious, insecure, and guilty. 
even though your life looks good on the outside. The way to overcome your self-critical thoughts is to change them step by step so you rewire your brain. And nothing else has worked because nothing else addresses and cures the root cause of the problem. If you take nothing else away from today, what I want you to take away is that there's nothing wrong with you. You are not necessarily born this way. There is nothing sort of broken that can't be fixed about you. You have absorbed a shit ton of social conditioning, and then you probably have got some family stuff in there too, and those have combined to create a set of thoughts that you have absorbed and now think are just your own thoughts, but are really this kind of self-critical talk that you've absorbed, and that is what's creating your feelings and your experience. And the way you change that is by changing your thoughts. It's not by changing your job, it's not by changing your body, it's not by changing other people. You can change some of that shit once you change your thoughts, but it all starts with your thoughts. So now I want to hear from you guys. I've, we've talked a lot about where we are now, right? What's holding us back and how these thought patterns play out. But it's really important to kind of challenge your brain to also think positively, right? And I don't mean fake positive like we've been talking about, but to think sort of proactively. So often we just think, oh, I'd like to be less stressed, <laughs> right? We just go to the negative and we're like, I'd like to be a little less negative. But I want to really challenge you to think, what would an amazing six months look like for you? If it was like May 2018, who would you be and what would be different? What would make you look back and think like, man, I really kicked ass the last six months. Like, I cannot believe what I have changed and accomplished. So what would be an amazing six months look like for you? If it's May 2018. Somebody says, finish the two major projects I'm working on slowly right now. Nice. Okay. Good. Finish two major projects. Somebody says, I'd be playing gigs. Nice. And focusing on the joy of music instead of wondering whether or not people thought I was good enough to be playing. Yeah, right? It's like you want to play music because you have this thing you want to share with the world, but your brain gets in the way and has you instead in your head, right? Thinking about like, what do other people think about my playing instead? It's a perfect example. Yeah, I love that. What else? What would, the rest of, what would the rest of you be doing in six months? What would it look like? Somebody says, I wouldn't be fighting with my husband in front of my kid, and I would start talking to my mother again. Okay? Yeah, so some changes in the family and personal relationships. Someone says, I would learn to accept myself unconditionally. I would be in the process of accepting the pain I have felt throughout my life, and I would be focusing on ways to help others from a holistic and confident mindset. Accepting yourself unconditionally is the deepest work you can do. It changes everything else in your life. But it's a big project. <laughs> I don't usually, we don't usually start right there. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And not just accept yourself. Like this is something I've really been working on the past year. Accepting yourself is amazing. It's really important. And then going to loving yourself. To just being like, I mean, loving yourself is such an overused term. But just being like, oh, I'm fucking amazing. I'm kick-ass. Like I'm my best friend, right? I think I'm so great. That, like, that sort of positive regard. Someone says, I'd be stronger and healthier. My business would be thriving. I would feel successful and prosperous. Someone else says, open a business, meet an amazing partner, better myself in every aspect, be happy. Yeah? Yeah, remember, this is like, all oh, we want all of these things because we want to be happy. Someone says, I'd lose weight, free my creative mind, eliminate unnecessary stuff in my home, be more self-confident and joyful. Good. Okay, so we've got opening businesses, being more creative, playing more gigs, being physically stronger and healthier, accepting ourselves. These are all great. All right. 
So now tell me what do you think is holding you back? So you've just brainstormed where you'd like to be in six months. Tell me what's holding you back. If someone says what's holding her back is fear and bad health, okay? If someone else says fear of failing. Someone else says the self-talk. Yep. Someone else says fear of judgment. Yep, fear of what other people are going to think, fear of what you're going to think. Yeah, and you see fear is coming up so much, right? Someone says thoughts and changes in mood. Someone else says financial limitations, somewhat imagined. <laughs> yeah, they're mostly imagined. I mean, in that our thoughts create those actions that keep our finances somewhere. Somebody says that uh, people-pleasing and perfectionism, believing I need external validation to trust my gut. Someone else says overwhelmed about how to start, not enough free time. Someone says not having nice enough shoes. Okay. Someone says, I try to control others and I always feel that they don't meet my ridiculous expectations. Oh my God. Trying to control other people will exhaust you and it does not work. That's a big one. Yeah. Someone says my procrastination and self-sabotage. Someone else says she's scattered and unfocused, not knowing what the first step should be. Okay. Yeah. These are all good. So this is the problem that I solve, the disconnect between what you know intellectually and what you feel emotionally, right? The hiding, the playing small, and the settling that you're doing because your insecurity and anxiety are running the show. My goal is always to teach you how to feel confident, empowered, and badass, to help you overcome social conditioning and self-critical thoughts so you can create and achieve whatever it is you want, right? We've heard a huge variety here tonight, the different things that we want to create in our lives. They all start in the same place. It all starts with your thoughts. Right? The only skill you really need is the ability to manage your mind. That's what it means to unfuck your brain. So how would feeling confident, empowered, and badass impact you? If you felt confident, if you felt empowered, if you felt like a badass, how would that impact you? Whatever comes to mind when I ask you that. Somebody says, okay, I think this was an answer to the last question. Someone says, one thing's holding them back is feeling abandoned by others. Someone says they'd have more clients. Yep, that's for sure. Confidence is attractive. Yeah, if you're in a client-centered business, so much like dating. The more you believe in yourself and your abilities and what you can create, the more people come to you. And it's not like manifestation nonsense. It's like you put yourself out there and you're more able to sell. Someone says, I feel like I'd be more at peace, which would in turn make me more successful in several facets. Yep. Yeah. Just having some like equanimity and calmness inside, you'd have more energy to get other stuff done. Yeah. Anxiety is really exhausting. <laughs> it really tires us out. What else? What, how would feeling confident, empowered, and badass impact you? you guys, I don't know how auctioneers get through auctions without having so much water. I feel like I need, like I'm a camel. Somebody says I'd go after what makes me happy. Yeah, not hold yourself back. Someone says I wouldn't care so much about the little things, like messes and errands. Someone else said she would feel like the sky's the limit. Someone says it would make me feel deserving of all the things I've yet to achieve. Yeah. Totally. You have to feel deserving before you can achieve them. We all get that backwards. We think once I get the thing, I'll feel like I deserved it. Someone says, I feel like I can't have the career I want or make more money without going to school, but I'll never be able to afford school. I can't pay for it with thoughts, feelings, or confidence. That's true. You cannot pay directly for school with thoughts, feelings, or confidence, but you're thinking about how you can find the money, make the money, what your long-term plan can be, right? That is affected by your thoughts. 
someone says, I guess I feel more confident in my interactions with other professionals and I'd have more clients. Yeah, absolutely. Also, <laughs> this person's name is um, Android Blue Droid, which I just find hilarious every time I see it come through. <laughs> okay. So the goal is to develop your self-confidence so that you can get the life you really want, right? And you really have to think about, is that something you want? Right? Learning to change the way you think is not always easy. It is not always fun. It is not always pleasant. Any kind of deep change is going to be uncomfortable sometimes. And so I like to ask people, like, is that something you really want? Do you really want to? You know, it's funny, but we, can, we get comfortable in our insecurity right? We get comfortable feeling resigned. We get comfortable feeling like it's not going to work. I can't succeed. So why bother? Right? It can be like an indulgent feeling. It can feel sort of just comfortable to sort of fall back to this resignation that our life isn't going to be what we want. I remember this just so clearly when I was starting to change my thinking. I would off sometimes feel like I was like teetering on this edge because it was hard and uncomfortable and challenging to think a new thought. And sometimes I would just sort of fall back into the old thought, which was miserable, but it was like comfortable there, right? So you really have to ask yourself, is that something you want? Do you want more self-confidence, right? Do you actually want to change your life? If you want to, it's possible. If you don't really want to, nothing will change for you, right? So I'm going to take some Q&A, but let me just tell you guys a little bit about if the answer to that last question was yes, right? If changing your thoughts is something that you're interested in learning how to do, changing your life is something you want to do. Unfuck Your Brain is my coaching program. This is how I teach you the skill that we went through. My assistant just put into the chat box a little link. If you click that link, there's a bunch of information, including like the case studies of my clients and all that stuff. There's also an application on that page. So if you fill out the application and you book your consult call while we're on the webinar or just tonight, because you know, it depends how long Q&A goes, and you end up signing up for the program, you get these two bonuses. So essentially, I like to incentivize action, right? If it's not for you, it's not for you. That's great. Hopefully you learned something and that's that. If it is for you, right, I always want to be pushing my clients to take action, make decisions and to commit. So if you book your consult call while we're still on this webinar or later tonight, and you end up signing up for the program, you will get these two bonuses. The self-manual workbook is a workbook that takes you through the process of figuring out what are all of the, sorry, there's an ambulance going by, you guys can probably hear. What are all of the rules, unspoken rules and expectations you have for yourself? So like people with perfectionism, it's a big one. You don't even know all of the expectations and beliefs you have about what you should be like. It helps you get those all out so you can start to work with them. And the second one is a 20-minute goal-setting session with me. So I don't do private one-on-one -on -one coaching anymore. I only work with groups. But if you book your consult call tonight or while we're on the webinar and you end up signing up for the program, you will get a 20-minute private session with me to use any time during the program. So either we set some goals for the program at the beginning or towards the end, you can set some goals for what you're going to do after the program. Either way. So if you have questions about anything I taught or you've tried to do something like this before and you have questions about where you got stuck or you want to ask me just sort of a question about something you're struggling with, happy to answer any and all questions while you got me here. Any questions, anything anybody would like to know? I'm going to give you guys a minute because I know it takes a minute to type sometimes.
Somebody had asked, I can answer this because I know I saw this question go by. Somebody had asked, is what you're doing similar to CBT? So CBT is cognitive behavioral therapy. Now, obviously, as a former lawyer, I'm always very careful to say, I am not a therapist. I'm not practicing therapy, right? I'm not a psychologist. Cognitive behavioral therapy is a form of therapy that does focus on intrusive and obsessive and anxious thoughts to try to change them. It's generally used to take people who are dysfunctional and get them more towards functional. So it's really effective for people who have debilitating anxiety, people who have intrusive thoughts, people who have obsessive compulsive disorder, anything along that spectrum. What I do is certainly based on some of the same insights about psychology that CBT is based on, right? Just as a lot of kind of modern forms of psychology are based on the idea that your thoughts are what are connected to your feelings, right? There's sort of really different philosophies of psychologies out there, right? You start with Freud and you go to the modern time. There's a lot of different theories of how the mind and the body and emotions work, right? And like what comes before what. So definitely um, do have in common with CBT the idea that your cognition and your behavior are connected, right? Your thoughts and your actions are connected. And that if you change your thoughts, you can change your actions, change your behavior. But coaching I think of as really being for people who are already functional and often highly functional, but who want to take it to the next level, right? So like I was totally functional when I found coaching. I had a good job. I had friends. I had relationships. But on the inside, it all felt pretty terrible, right? And I did have a lot of anxiety and insecurity and guilt and shame and all those sort of negative emotions all the time that were really holding me back. And so coaching helped me take my life from functional but, you know, unhappy and limited to really thriving. And that's what I think coaching does. So, you know, there are some similarities in some of the kind of underlying theories and it has in common with CBT that you really work through your thoughts. It's also more radical. You know, any form of psychology has a definition of like what's healthy and what's not healthy. And the psychology, you know, the person treating you is really trying to move you towards what they see as the, as health as the right outcome. I don't really approach coaching like that. I really, you know, because I'm working with people who are basically functional. I'm not working with people who, you know, should be under a psychiatrist, should be under, you know, psychiatric care or something. I should clarify. Obviously, you can have a psychiatrist and work with a coach. That's fine. But what I mean is I'm not a primary care treater for a serious mental illness. So given that, I'm working with people who are functional, you know, have their lives, are working mostly. I don't really have a kind of theory of like what's best for you and where you should be getting. What I really believe is like I teach you how to cut through the brain clutter you have, right? How to think on purpose so that you can achieve whatever you want. And it's really not my business if I don't have an opinion about what's best for you, whether it's to make it work with your husband or to leave them, whether it's to stay as a lawyer or quit your job, right? I don't get invested in your outcome because that's how I'm able to coach you clearly from a clean place. I'm able to just show you your thoughts and teach you how to change them so that you can pursue whatever goal you want without me having like an agenda or a kind of place I'm trying to drive you to. So if developing your self-confidence is something you want, Unfuck Your Brain is what you need. Unfuck Your Brain is an exclusive group coaching program. It's designed for high-achieving feminist women who can see that their insecurity, anxiety, and fear are holding them back but don't know how to fix it. Unfuck Your Brain is a scientifically based process that teaches you how to literally rewire your brain so that you develop new thought patterns to support new feelings of confidence and new ways of acting. 
whatever you want in your life, whether it's financial success, career accomplishments, the relationship of your dreams, or just be nicer to yourself and enjoy this life you have. Unfucking your brain is the only way I know of to get it. The program teaches you how to overcome perfectionism, imposter syndrome, people-pleasing, and validation-seeking so that you can create confidence in yourself, your worth, and your ability to have that life you really want. If that sounds good to you, the first step is to fill out a brief application and schedule a chemistry check chat with me. We won't be making any decisions on this first call. We'll just have a preliminary conversation to decide if we should explore working together further. You can read all the details of the program and fill out the application form at www.unfuckyourbrain.com, spelled politely, unfckyourbrain.com forward slash join. Don't delay, the program starts in January, so there's only a few more weeks to get in on the magic. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to start building your confidence right away, you can download a free confidence cheat sheet at www.carlowenthal.com slash podcast confidence.